Welcome to In the Envelope, a podcast from Backstage, the number one resource for actors and talent seekers. I am your host, Jack Smart, awards editor at Backstage, and I'm here to guide you through every aspect of the entertainment industry with the help of some of your favorite stars. These intimate, inspirational conversations with today's most award-worthy film, television, and theater artists provide you, dear listener, advice on how to live the creative life, personal stories of success and failure alike, and maybe, just maybe, a tantalizing glimpse in the envelope. actually walking into something with a much more kind of open interpretation you know let's just see what happens is actually quite liberating I'm finding that more and more that I work better Mm. when I don't overthink and over prepare too much Testing one, two, three, testing one, two, three. I hope I sound good. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of In the Envelope. We have an exciting episode for you today. The voice you just heard is Michelle Dockery, an amazing, amazing actor. Look, it kind of goes without saying that all of the actors featured on this podcast are amazing actors. Um, maybe I don't say it enough. They're all supremely talented and good at what they do and good at talking about what they do. But Talking to Michelle, listening back to this interview, visiting some of her work, seeing everything she's done, Michelle Dockery is just a really, really good actor. She's just a good actor. If you are looking for your definition, if you want a definition of great acting, just study what she does. She is amazing in this new show from Apple TV Plus called Defending Jacob, opposite Chris Evans and Jada Martell and friend of the podcast, Betty Gabriel and J.K. Simmons. It's a stunning, stunning cast. Michelle, of course, was Lady Mary Crawley. She was the lead in Downton Abbey, but talk about somebody who can be a chameleon and can reinvent herself for every role. So this conversation was a great kind of insight into how she does that. We talked a lot about nerves, preparation versus letting it go. She has some great stuff on voiceover and accent work. If you know anything about Michelle, if you've seen any two of Michelle Dockery's performances, you know she's amazing at accents. And uh, yeah, we should get right to it. Um, over on Backstage.com, uh, we are very much gearing up for Emmy season. The 2020 Emmys are still ongoing, despite everything happening in the world and in our industry. Emmy nominating takes place July 2nd to 13, and nominations will be announced July 28th. I'm so excited. So head over to Backstage.com for plenty of content featuring nominees, and stay tuned in this podcast because we are releasing episodes twice a week between now and the end of nominating and probably beyond. (laughs) So without further ado, I think that's all I have to say for today. Um, Let's get to this excellent interview, this excellent deep dive with Michelle Dockery after a quick break. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Apple TV Plus original series, The Morning Show. This drama series explores the cutthroat world of morning news and the lives of the people who help America wake up in the morning told through the lens of two complicated women working to navigate the minefield of high-octane jobs while facing crises in both their personal and professional lives. Starring Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, Steve Carell, Billy Crudup, Gugu Mbatha-Ra, and Mark Duplass. For your Emmy consideration in all eligible categories, including Outstanding Drama Series. 
visit fyc.appletvplus.com. Michelle Dockery, although likely best known as Lady Mary Crawley in the hit series and last year's film, Downton Abbey, is an actor who reinvents herself in role after role, from early stage work in her hometown of London to Anna Karenina, Good Behavior, Godless, The Gentleman, and now Defending Jacob from Apple TV+. Michelle has totaled four Emmy nominations and three SAG Award wins. Here is our deep dive with the phenomenal Michelle Dockery. Michelle, hi. Hi, nice to meet you. Good to meet you. Thank you so much for um for joining us at Backstage. We love you here at Backstage. Thanks for having me. Are you in London? I am. Yeah, at home in London. And how how are you? How's I'm fine. Going? I'm fine, thank you. All things considered. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very well, thank you. Yeah. And doing are you doing a lot of this virtual press right now? Yeah, it's uh, quite quite a different uh, way of doing it. <laughs> It's um, less of a circus, which is quite nice. Um, don't have to, you know, think about what to wear and, you know, all of that. It's, it's actually, um, it's a much more relaxed way of doing it in some ways. But um, yeah, it's been really interesting. No red carpet. There were no like events nice. for this project <laughs> at all. It's really strange. Yeah, it's strange. It's strange times. I mean, are you are you keeping busy otherwise? Are you did you have other projects in the works that were put on I hold? I didn't or? actually. I didn't, and I was um, I was taking a little bit of time out um, anyway. So yeah, so I've just been at home, which has been nice for me because I'm I'm normally in the states. I travel a lot with work, so um, yeah, it's been a real kind of slowing down time and. I've been cooking a lot and um, binge watching shows. I'm really into Ozark. Oh, okay, um, great. Which I'm very late. I'm very late to the Ozark um, hype because, of course, it's in uh-huh. its third season. But I'm just, I'm absolutely loving it. Um, so, so yeah, it's it's been nice to catch up on things that I ha- I hadn't had time for um, mm-hmm. until until now. Yes, you're you're staying. You're staying artistically inspired and engaged. Yes, I am. Yeah, and reading. However you can. Reading a lot and, uh, yeah, and sometimes just things, you know, films that I hadn't seen in a, in a long time and um, mm. just re- and reading things that I hadn't had time to do, so I hadn't had time to read. So um, it's been nice to catch up on all of that. Yeah. Yeah, the, it's interesting. The um, the rewatching. I was talking to someone recently about how that's actually it makes sense that we're we're rewatching old things that we've already seen or yeah. rereading books we've already read because we are bombarded right now with like new information yep. and we're overloaded with new. So we want the comfort of something we, we know. Yeah, and I, that's that's true for me. I'm I'm not watching a lot of new stuff. I I watched recently. I did a Harry Potter marathon. You did. Uh, I did. I did. <laughs> I, did. <laughs> I just suddenly woke up one day and decided to. It was just before we started press, or it was sort of in the middle of when you know we had a week and it went very quiet. 
And um, yeah. and I just thought, I'm going to cozy up and watch the Harry Potters. I mean, I, it's years since I've seen them. And actually, I think one or two of them I hadn't even seen. I hadn't seen, I don't think, The Order of the Phoenix, the like the fifth or the sixth one. Um, and uh, I'd just forgotten how many brilliant actors oh, yeah. are in the Harry Potters uh, and just, yeah, and I just sort of fell in. Probably fell back many in of your friends them. and colleagues. Maggie yes, Smith. Maggie, Amelda. I mean, everybody pops up. Um, That's cool. <laughs> so that was uh, that was that was nice um, to do something like that. I do like a bit of kind of uh, that sort of fantasy genre. So um, yeah, I haven't yet attempted the style. I, I've. I am ashamed to say that I don't think I've ever seen a Star Wars film. Um, Okay. I probably did when I was younger. I probably did when I was younger, but I, I, I am, I am determined to, you know, to get it. <laughs> and, and now is the them. time. Yeah. 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 Now is as good a time as any. I know. Yeah. It's strange times. It's, it's good that defending Jacob was packaged and done and ready to go before all this happened so that there's something to do. Yes. And something for us all to watch. I mean, it's a really, it's a fun show to watch. Fun. I think, um, yeah, fun in a in a sort of who done it kind of way. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's a real roller coaster, isn't it? I mean, I think I think people. I mean, I certainly love a crime drama like mm-hmm. like this, a who done it. But it's it. What, what's so great about about defending Jacob is is that it, it becomes more about the family and the way that they mm. they deal with you know this horrendous um situation that they find themselves in um it, it focuses more on that which i when even when i first read it i thought well this is really interesting because normally you're sort of following the detectives more or you're following mm. uh the barristers more or you know it's it 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 really mm. kind of shows the other side of the curtain and how these this family deal with it and how these parents um deal with 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 what their son is about to go through um and it's just very compelling to what i just think i think every you know every episode is a cliffhanger isn't it so um yes it's great that it's on weekly i love this new format which is the old format of course uh. of doing something weekly and i think i think it's great i think we're so yeah. used to being able to watch things immediately um, and binge it, which is, you know, people have the freedom to do. But I think it's really refreshing to be able to watch something weekly and then have those breaks mm. in between and you get to talk about it and yeah, ask other probably. people what they think and who did it. And, you know, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Which this is maybe too, we're, we're generally more focused on, this is backstage. So we're more focused on the acting. I'm going to mm. pick your brain about t- craft and career advice, but go for it. Do you just very specific defending Jacob question? Do you think he, do you think he did it? <laughs> I don't know. I think he might have done it. Okay. <laughs> I think he might have done it. Um, cause there is a way to talk about it without spoiling it because it's not really answered either way. No, that's what's great about it is that there is, you yeah. know, there's so much sort of, uh, ambiguity with with the story you know at the end and it's sort of it, it's kind of left up to the audience really to decide um hmm. 
But I mean, I'm saying that also from my character's perspective as well, because I think Laurie thinks he did it. Um, Okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, But it's a hard one. You know, I don't, I don't want to spoil it for people and, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the last episode again because it was a, it's been a while mm. since I've seen it, mm. and um, I'm will I will have an opinion when I've watched it again. I think I'm looking sure. forward to seeing it and seeing how I feel afterwards. <laughs> now I've had some distance from it. Yeah, my gosh, is there a thing too in, in a show like this, especially with like the, that kind of ambiguous whodunit, where like mm. the editors choose a lot of maybe the truth of the show? Like, are there do you do, for example, two different takes where one is more Laurie's convinced he did it and one is she's less convinced and then you see which one they pick? There was, there was a bit of, there certainly there was a bit of that on this in, in particularly in those moments, you know, you, you don't want to give away too much. You also don't, you want to give an idea of what a character is thinking and feeling. So there were moments where Morton and Mark, our brilliant writer and director would just guide us um, because sometimes you you don't you know I, I often think as I'm you know on this journey I'm learning more and more that you can be quite subtle and it reads mm. very very boldly sometimes on camera ah, so okay. um so with something like this you really I found I really that that could be a challenge at times because of course you you want to be as subtle as possible but even more so because you know, the whole courtroom scenes are about, you know, not showing any emotion and, you know, everything's kind of hidden. And Laurie is a character that very much wears her heart on her sleeve. Um, yes. So so it was a challenge, actually, the kind of more still moments, you know, without dialogue and not, you know, trying not to show an opinion or reaction uh, was a challenge yeah. at times, yeah. There's a lot of, like, um, restraint Mm. I suppose in a show like this, is it the kind of thing where you, um, it's show don't tell. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a level of subtlety. That's, I don't know. Yeah. You don't want to telegraph exactly what that's the character right. is thinking. Cause who, who can name that anyway? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, uh, Morton loves those shots of kind of lingering on a character for quite mm. a long time. Um, oh, okay. so you, I sort of, as I was going through, as I was playing the part and working with Morton, you, I, I guess I sort of got to a point where I knew my limits and um, subtleties. Cool. And if I went too far, I mean, he's a great director because Morton, he, he really encourages you to go quite far and then you can rein it back in. Gotcha. Because with Laurie, there were, there were times when we had to sort of measure it, you know, cause we didn't want her to be constantly, bawling her eyes out um so so yeah so so it was it was finding a balance you know between each scene the restraint and then the kind of letting go in the moments where she Mm. was alone and I imagine the really letting go and then having him rein you in yeah I just imagine any any very weepy scene or very emotional scene is hard to do multiple takes like how do you reset yeah um I mean so much of it I I have to, or I've certainly learned as time has gone on that I have to really reserve that energy. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very, I, I'm a very sociable person on set. I like chatting to people and finding out what they're, you know, what they do at the weekend and chatting to crew. And, and on mm-hmm. this, I learned quite quickly that I had to really 
reserve my energy um, because it was emotional. And uh, I find that I like to do the close-up. You know, often you can be given a, an, an option of doing the closer, mm. the tighter shot first, right. which sometimes going into a scene, a new scene that is emotional, that, that adrenaline is there. Like at the beginning, I often find it's very, very at the surface. So oh. my first take in a tight shot is is often the one. The one. Really? And then after that, okay. you're, you're recreating it. So yeah. if you have that option, you don't always have the option, of course, because right. depending on the location and what the, you know, what your DOP and director want to, you know, how they want the, the uh, shots to, to play out throughout the scene, it's not right. always the case, but it is, a, it is a luxury when you get that to, to, to do, amazing. you know, to, to do the most emotional shot first. Um, yeah. So we did, there was definitely, you know, that, that option on this, you know, Morton was so much about, you know, getting that, right in the moment and it feeling so real so he was so understanding of that sort of process so you're one of those you're the one of the first first take type of actors <laughs> i mean some not all the time not all the time actually it's just most of the time it's it's that yeah. it, it's the first go at it that that it because it's you're doing it for the first time so right. it feels it feels authentic and then yeah. every other take is like you're recreating it. So, right. I mean, I'm sure that's something that most actors relate to. But then, but then there there are scenes that I sometimes build up to. I mean, that that scene with Chris, Chris and I in the most recent episode where Laurie, after the court, mm. after the story has been told about yeah. Jacob's secrets and what he has been up to, um, that scene between Laurie and Andy. You know, there was definitely a build up to that. Because it was like, it was a long, long scene. It was like doing a play, mm. that scene. Like, Ooh, it was a okay. long, long two-hander. And um, we, sometimes it's like you're you're just sort of finding your feet with a scene like that in the first few takes. So oh, okay. you do the wide and then you find the, the movement and the, you know, the sort of structure of the scene. And then you sort of really like get into it. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, then, wow. and then it, and then it sort of built from there. So by the end, we were, you know, quite yeah. emotional. By the time we kind of came into the much tighter shots, because also you don't, you also don't want to lose the energy, and that's you don't want to give it all away sure. immediately. Um, right, you gotta pace yourself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a lot of that on this because it was emotional. I really had to pace yeah. myself. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Well, and you said you called it adrenaline. The adrenaline of the first take is that also is that nerves does that come from nerves of course i mean <laughs> this job is i mean you you walk on every day feeling vulnerable i mean it's we're Amazing. all just holding hands and like you know jumping in and seeing what happens so it's of course i mean even when you're six months into a job and you know everybody and you've got a great rapport sure. with everyone you're all best mates i still have those nerves before before certain scenes, you know, when it requires a real vulnerability. Um, mm. So, yeah, nerves do def definitely play a part um, because the nerves make you want to burst into tears. <laughs> yes, yes, it helps up the stakes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's really great to hear. I mean, I, I think our listeners of this podcast, I don't know, I personally think of an actor of your caliber as as someone who you know, you have enough experience to not be nervous, but if the nerves happen every time, 
then they're then they're part of the are they part of your artistic process I think so I, I think yeah if I uh, yeah I think it's all part of it um and sometimes I think if I didn't have it maybe right. I wouldn't perform quite as well so I think a little bit of yeah. nerves is is good and I think it's it's partly excitement it's mm. you know feeling vulnerable but it's also it's why we do it we're we're sort of you know we kind of <laughs> love the sort of suffering for it I don't know because maybe it feels very re- it, it's rewarding when you do when you do you get there and you go through that yeah. that little struggle and then you get the scene and it's great um but it's certainly it has gotten easier I mean okay. I'm, I'm much more used to the process now and I have sort of my own sure. way of working and you know you oh, learn okay. as you go along so you're not uh you're not too nervous or you know you find ways of sort of dealing with it is uh, everything you just said is that the same is true for auditions or are, are auditions a um a separate kind of nerves or a separate process similar thing really um like any interview I think um mm. for a job you yeah. know I think everybody yeah. can relate to it it's you know you're walking into a room and people people have no idea who you, you know, they don't know you unless they know you from, you know, something that you've been in or, but you're walking into a room full of strangers and you're about to be vulnerable in front of them, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, depending on the role. So of course it's always, there's always some nerves there, but what I've learned is that is to, is to leave myself at the door and just play, play the role, you know, play the role in that audition the best I possibly can and leave everything else at the door because the part of you that they see in the room as yourself, Mm. it's only a 10, it's a tiny percentage of who you are as a person. They're only seeing Uh it for 10, you know, 30 minutes maximum or, you know, however long an audition takes. And so to worry about all of that, like, Oh, what did I, you know, when I said that, what they think of me and blah, blah, blah. You know, I used to do that all the time, especially in my twenties. And I'm learning like, well, they only know a tiny, tiny portion of me in those 30 minutes. So mm. you may as well just throw yourself into the part in those right. and use that time to mm. show them this is how the part can be played and, you know, pick me. Cool. <laughs> pick me. And sort of that, I love that idea of leaving yourself at the door because mm. it's, it's separating you from the character, I suppose. Yeah, and... a little. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying you kind of walk into the, you don't necessarily don't have to walk into the room as the character, character. but I think leaving <laughs> those, I certainly try my best to leave those insecurities at the door, you know, of what they might think of me as a person or, you know, and just right. to sort of use that time to, I, mm. I remember this audition that we, I did a chemistry test with Javier, uh, the guy who played, um, Javier in Good Behaviour, okay, uh, the show yeah. that um, I did in, uh, on TNT, um, Juan Diego Botto, who is a phenomenal actor. Yes. And I never forget his uh, screen test, the chemistry read that we did. So I'd already been cast and then we were reading Javier's. Mm-hmm. And um, he he was, you know, you could get a sense of him as a person, but he just mm. stayed in the energy of the character. He wasn't being method or anything, but there was this, mm. I could tell he had gone, I'm going to walk into this room and I'm going to show them what this part this is character. and I'm going to do mm. it and I'm going to do it the best I can play it and how I would do it on the day if I was 
in on set with the cameras and mm. lights and everybody and it, it was an it was a real real inspiration for me seeing that oh, and he got cool. the part because everybody yeah. was like that's he's just played it as he would play it on the day which is what they want to see totally. um mm. i never forget that that's amazing did you um are auditions happening less and less how did you get involved with defending jacob Defending Jacob, I was uh, sent the script. So I was sent the mm-hmm. first, I think I read the first four. Um, and uh-huh. then, uh, and so they they offered me the role and then I had um, a Skype, you know, much like what we're doing. Just like this. <laughs> yeah. Where was Zoom then? Um, <laughs> I don't <laughs> we know. We didn't Zoom. Um, it's also, it feels like years and years ago. Yeah. Not that, that long ago. No. Um, so, so we had a, like a Skype or FaceTime and, um, I loved Mark and Morton, you know, sometimes when you, when you, when roles come your way or, you know, something comes along, it's, it's not just about the part, it's about the people. And, mm. and I guess in some ways I'm making those decisions more and more lately. Um, right. but I just loved them. I thought more, I, I was a fan already of Morton's work. Mm-hmm. I, there's something about those Scandinavian directors as well that just, it's like a sweet spot. I don't know what it is. It's just they have cool. this ability to create this visual tone that, I mean, I think uh-huh. that comes across in Defending Jacob. Um, mm-hmm. It's something that they get. I don't know what it is. I just can't put my finger on it. But I loved him and I loved Mark. And I just, you know, he's a brilliant writer. And I just thought, oh, if these two, I'm just having such a lovely chat with them and, they're so passionate right. about about the the scripts and it was like a done deal. That's interesting that it's maybe more about the collaborators than the character or the project Some, itself. Sometimes, sometimes, I mean, I always have to, I have to have some feeling, gut feeling about character, which I certainly mm. did with Laurie. Um, but then mm. there are other elements that come in, come into play also, um, which is great. Right. And this was a real you know, it's when all this, it feels like all the dots are joined and it was a, it was a real kind of bullseye, this job. And building Laurie, like how, first of all, there is source material. So did you draw from source material? Did you, do you invent backgrounds for some of your characters or all of your characters? With Laurie, I, I mean, I, I read the book, um, but mm-hmm. then of course the, the book, it deflects somewhat from the book, the script. So Mm-hmm. Um, it sometimes that's not always useful. Like it's good to kind of read it, and right. then you know that's where it's the source. That's where it came from, and um, mm. and there are some details that I liked. But for me, it's it's more about what's on the page and actually what comes out in the moment. I'm learning, and this isn't for, you know this isn't. I don't want this to sound like advice or anything, but the the way I work now is that I I tend not to prepare too much because in the past I've over prepared for something and it all goes out the window (laughs) um yeah and 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 what I've learned from that is that it it helps me to not feel I I I can kind of lose control which is good um Mm. in the past I've had a tendency to sort of over prepare and make assumptions about a scene uh and the way it should be played and I think I should be stood here and 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 of course Mm. it's there are 
so many different elements that come into play. Of course, your fellow actors, but, you know, props and locations and, and, and actually walking into something with a much more kind of open interpretation, you know, let's just see what happens is actually quite liberating. Yeah. I'm finding that more and more that I work better mm. when I don't kind of overthink and over prepare too much. Yeah. And you, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, especially in regards to auditions, because you mentioned, you actually mentioned this idea of early in an actor's career, it really is a job interview where you're introducing them to you and they don't know who you are. Mm. But later, it's both a help, it's both a benefit and maybe a curse when they do know you mm-hmm. for, for your work. Mm-hmm. You've spoken before about how you are nothing like Lady Mary, but is it safe to say that most people know you as Lady Mary? Yeah. So do you then, has there been any strategy in your next career moves to get away from Downton Abbey? Or is it just, you're, you're, you know, you're taking whatever projects are interested in you. Do you think yeah. about type at all? I, it's something I very, very quickly after Downton, I was casting Good Behaviour right. as Letty, which was worlds away from, from Lady Mary. Yeah. So I sort of didn't really have time to even worry about it, about being oh, okay. having any sort of typecasting. I just suddenly right. went into this, this role that was very, very different. And that wasn't strategic, actually. It just happened quite mm. naturally, which was great because it was liberating to do something very, very different. But I don't tend to be strategic with career choices. It, it really, it really depends on the role, the story, mm-hmm. uh, the people. And right. I, you know, creators out there do have more imagination than, than uh. you think, you know, and I, you know, I, <laughs> I love casting directors and, you know, creators for that because all of us from something like Downton, you know, we've all done very, very different things since. And and I think sure. in some ways that's because if I were to be cast in a 1920s drama, yeah. I'd have to have a very different haircut uh, or something <laughs> because You'd it would be, be like Lady Mary has just walked into yes. another story, you know. So so maybe right. it, it's it's doing something very, very different, of course, because because of what you're known for, that people... You know, it's it's maybe more risky to kind of cast us in something that's too similar. And not just for your own personal wanting to be challenged, like it might interrupt or take somebody out of the story if they're watching a 1920s drama and yeah. Michelle Dockery locks in, walks in looking a bit like Lady Mary. That's a bit like mm-hmm. distracting. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about serving the story. I that's suppose. right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And is it also safe to say it's for many working actors, for most working actors, it's strategizing is impossible and you don't get your pick of you the litter. You just don't know. Yeah. And you, you just, and I, I learned that very quickly is that you don't mm. have, you don't always have the choice. And it's such a, it's such a, it's a career of very, it's unpredictable. And it's, mm. it's, I found that, I found that hard at first. I, you know, definitely went through phases in my twenties where I was, I wanted to know more and I was, you know, mm-hmm. went through phases of kind of feeling like, oh, I really want to do that next. And why isn't that coming my way? And, you know, mm-hmm. and learned very quickly that you just, you don't have any control over it. And sometimes right. parts just come along and you, like Defending Jacob was like that for me. It was just, it sort of mm-hmm. came out of nowhere. I wasn't in, I loved, I love crime dramas, but mm-hmm. I wasn't looking for one. 
Right. It just sort of came along and it, it was one of the best experiences I've ever had. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Apple TV Plus original series, The Morning Show. This drama series explores the cutthroat world of morning news and the lives of the people who help America wake up in the morning, told through the lens of two complicated women working to navigate the minefield of high-octane jobs while facing crises in both their personal and professional lives. Starring Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, Steve Carell, Billy Crudup, Gugu Mbatha-Ra, and Mark Duplass. For your Emmy consideration in all eligible categories, including Outstanding Drama Series, visit fyc.appletvplus.com. Has it always been acting for you, just from from infancy, from day one? Pretty much, yeah, from infancy. <laughs> I've been acting for, from day one. I, I, was, I was always dancing and singing, mm. you know. Okay. Um, I went to a, a stage school, uh, which mm-hmm. was at the bottom of our street when we were kids. It was right at the end of our street and it was a hobby and I loved mm. it. I just fell in love with it and I loved dancing and singing and acting. And then it very quickly became what I wanted to do. I had a very mm. encouraging drama teacher at school um, called Jude Burt, who to this day, I think if it wasn't for her, I'm not sure I'd be doing this. Um, mm. And she really encouraged me. She saw it in me that acting was, you know, something I had potential in. And so, yeah, I never looked back. I think I could, I probably may have gone down the dancing route. I may have done musicals because um, oh, okay. a lot of my friends went off and did musicals after, after mm. stage school. And uh, so I, I could, I actually auditioned for some. <laughs> I auditioned <Okay>. for, <laughs> I think I auditioned for Joseph, which my sister actually was in. Oh, okay. And then uh, she was a dancer. And then there was something else, another musical. And it, I sometimes think, God, if I actually got them. That path, yeah. That my, my path would have been very different. Because I always like asking if there were anything, any other career you would do, I mean, what, what would that be? Maybe yours is just a different avenue in the acting world. It would have been. I mean, dancing, theater. probably it yeah. would have been dancing. But the thing that I am obsessed with is uh interiors interior design oh okay oh okay <laughs> and, oh my god cool yeah i really and then you got to act on a show about a show called downton abbey in a giant abbey with yeah. the most amazing interior design <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's that's um, cool it's yeah it's something i'm i just really enjoy I, I moved into my house in london a few years ago and i've really enjoyed you know choosing choosing wallpaper and choosing paint <laughs> and great. I just I I really love it and I do think if I'd have done something entirely different to mm-hmm. being an actor um it probably would have been something like that I mean still artistic you know but right. design certainly something right. like that so at first it was maybe musical theater and then it was mostly stage I mean how yeah. has the dream evolved you were certainly first and foremost stage a actor. yeah so so I I I was at the National Theatre for for nearly two years that was my first mm-hmm. job which was incredible because it 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 was like an apprenticeship actually I left drama school and then I went straight there mm. um and I un, at one point I was understudying I was playing like eight parts at the same or I had oh eight gosh. roles in my head at one time because wow. I was playing two or three ro- roles. It was this, it was his Dark Materials. We did it in two parts, yes. the Philip Pullman 
trilogy. Um, right. And it was in two parts. And I understudied Lyra, um, the uh-huh. main character, which was huge. And then I understudied a few other characters because you do that thing. They, you know, they cast it brilliantly so that if one person steps right. off, then someone steps in and there's kind of like a knock-on effect. But yeah, I had eight, eight mm. different characters dialogue in my head at one time um that I just can't cool. imagine doing that now I mean oh <laughs> um, <laughs> um so yeah so the national was a big 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 you know part of my training you know sort of early training into the industry mm. really and then I did Pygmalion with Peter Hall which was that really that was a big stepping stone um when I played Eliza Doolittle because mm-hmm. Gareth Neem our uh, producer and co-creator of Downton Abbey, uh, he he saw me in that production. Hmm. So so that's where that then led to. And it was really in my later 20s that I then mm-hmm. got Downton and was doing more TV and film. Are you open to still doing theatre? I you, am. Do you separate the, the, the two mediums, stage and screen, or is they it all... They are very different. They're very, very uh-huh. different. Um a couple of years ago, I was I did a network at the National with Brian Cranston, which was a brilliant experience, mm-hmm. but it was nerve-wracking because it had been eight years since I'd been yeah, on wow. stage. So, um, and it's very different. Um, hmm. And I sort of had to kind of re-oil those, <laughs> those joints in a way. <laughs> um, yeah. Because it, it just felt very, very different to being on camera. It's a, it's a different way of acting. Um, right. So I, but I would love to do, I would love to do it again. I would love to go back on stage again. Um, but I, I think that now I, I used to feel more comfortable on stage and now that's changed. I definitely <laughs> feel more comfortable on camera now. So yeah, interesting. Yeah. Which is why I need to do a play mm. every few years because I, I Absolutely. never want to get to that stage where I'm too, too afraid to go back on. <laughs> it's all about, yeah, it's all about, um, challenging yourself and I guess it's always you can't keep all of the wheels oiled all the time mm-hmm. it's all about re-oiling the wheels yeah absolutely project yeah because you mentioned too this idea of the close-up mm. being that's obviously the close-up is completely different from stage acting mm. and being able to switch between the two mediums yeah is it safe to say it is about what you were talking about earlier about about subtlety and about yeah. what can be telegraphed and shown mm-hmm. not Show, show don't tell right yeah absolutely and for, for absolutely. stage maybe it's more tell I don't it know is. that maybe and it's over yeah and I I think uh I had to sort of relearn all of that again or just remind myself that I had to project more I had to mm. tell the story more physically and show mm. my emotions more you know so so it is it is a very different way of acting in many ways I mean it depends on the theatre it depends how mm-hmm. big the theatre is. And we did that in the Littleton, which is quite a big theatre. Um, but if you're doing a very intimate, if you're working in a very intimate space, then you can, the acting can be a bit more like TV because the audience are right, right, right there. Um, and I'd love, mm. I'd love to experience that actually, because it's been a while since I've ever, I've done anything in a very small um, theatre space. Um, so that would be interesting. I'd like to, I'd like to try that. Yeah, I mean, what is the goal and the what is the future goal? I know that we are amid a pandemic that's put everything <laughs> on hold, but like, what's your dream next project or dream role? I don't really have one. 
to be honest. Okay, yeah. I do, I do, I love the idea of, I sing, so I love the idea of yes. bringing in my love of uh, singing and um, music. I, I, mm-hmm. I would love to do something like that. But I I think it's because of what I've learned, you know, is that you, you, um, you just never quite know where, what's around the corner and you can make things happen. And I'm definitely looking into that more now of, you know, finding mm-hmm. material that I really like or a character that I've read. And that doesn't necessarily have to be a book or, you know, you can read something in a paper and think, mm. well, that could be something really interesting. And um, That's cool. so, so I'm definitely edging a little more into that headspace of like, well, what, you know, who do I want to play? What do I want to play? But, but without sort of having too much attachment to it. Right. And like you said, not so much strategy. It's just... Yeah. Yeah. Because often I feel that things tend to work a little more fluidly, you know. Mm. So we'll see. I want to do a bit more animation, I have to say. I love... Uh I've done a bit recently and and I I Mm. really enjoy it. I think it's really cool being part of that process when you're in the booth and you can see the little sketches of the characters and they, and you know, you a lot to... of them go sort of ta- in tandem, cool. like you, they're, they're creating the characters as you're speaking and, you know, and I just, I think that, I think animation is just so cool. I think it's such a brilliant, sure. brilliant medium. So, so I'd like to do a bit more of that. And is it, so there's stage acting, screen acting and is voiceover acting its own beast? Yeah, it's so different. You know, you're in the, your little booth and, it's just really fun. I find it really funny, like finding the voice of right of the characters. Um, so yeah, I definitely like to do a bit more of that. Because these days, the voiceover, you know, the voiceover industry is still going, and animation's yeah. still doing okay. And on this podcast, we've actually been featuring more voiceover artists or asking yeah. for, like, I would love to hear. Do you have advice for someone who's looking to get into voiceover, maybe an early career actor? What should they know about getting into the booth and creating yeah, a character? Yeah, I, I think getting your showreel together as quickly ah. as you can. So if you've got access to, your, you know, because nowadays you can do, if you've got a quiet room or you can stick your head in a cupboard with a sheet over you. I think that's what people are doing. <laughs> totally. That's what a lot of my friends are doing now. Totally. Doing podcasts in, in lockdown and voiceovers right. in lockdown. So if you have access to that, I think... Uh, you can you can find uh, you know ad examples or things that you can use. Mm. I think that's that's certainly how I did mine years ago. Um, cool. And record you know record your own show reel of voice reel. I mean of right. uh, you know you can do different accents or different type of adverts or you know I think yeah. I think doing that as soon as you can so that people get to hear the the tone and quality of your voice. That's a great tip. I actually, I did because we're so nerdy about craft stuff and you are so amazing at accents. You mentioned accents. It's related to voiceover. And is it also maybe related to your kind of, you have a musician brain. Are you, um, do you work with a coach? Like what is your um, Mm. approach to your impeccable American accents? I think that's true. I think maybe being musical helps because, Mm -hmm. you know, some would say, you know, it's that thing of having an ear for for accents you know which I I always have done since I was little um mm. but I do I like to have a coach if it's a new mm. accent I like to have someone on me all the time like I did in 
in godless and and good behavior sure. actually um i had coaches who were wonderful but but now i've gotten with the american accent i'm much more used to it sometimes i'll do a refresher like a refresher class um <laughs> reoiling the wheels reoiling the wheels exactly interesting um but being around if you're for me if you're playing an american in an american show surrounded by american actors and american crew it goes in quite easily Mm. um so so but i love doing accent i'm fascinated by dialect actually and sure. how sure how an accent is formed and you know dependent on the geography of you know where the person where they're from and absolutely i find it fascinating for especially for period pieces especially for something like godless where you're it's set in the middle of nowhere yeah. and you don't know when and where it is and so yeah. it must <laughs> Did you all, how much, especially with accent work, do you work with the other actors, with other co-stars to get on the same page? Well, actually, Alice, I had a different accent. So mine wasn't so much of the drawl because she's Uh from Boston. So, you know, what was a Boston accent back then? You know, it was was sort of, um, and we also didn't want her to seem so different from the others. But there there was an idea that she kind of had an influence of, where she is now um but but we didn't want her to be too much of a have too much of a draw i mean the southern american is is quite easy for brits i think i think that's the sort of go-to or the new york accent Uh because they're they're easier sounds to make but actually the sort of standard american accent i found the most challenging to begin with Mm. It's my, it makes my accent feel very, very lazy when I do American because we don't pronounce our R's. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So yeah. we say R. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and that actually requires a bit more um, movement, you know. So interesting. I have to make sure I warm up a little bit, especially if you're like turning over at seven o'clock in the morning and you've just Absolutely. had your coffee and, you know, a few hours sleep. I have to... <laughs> I have to yeah. warm up my voice a little bit and the accent to kind of get my mouth around the words, you know. Because the other thing I was just thinking about in terms of TV, we often, we've often talked about how in TV, you don't want to paint yourself into a corner. You don't necessarily know where it's going to end. Mm-hmm. And, and you want your character to go on an arc. And of course, they're yeah. going to go on a journey. But the accent is, it has to be static. Your accent, probably yeah. most times, is not going to change. No, <laughs> so no. That's why you have to get it you have to really practice, I guess. Absolutely. And that's um, something I really have to work on. So okay. I have to know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I like to go to, onto set knowing my lines inside out. Sometimes that changes, you know, if dialogue changes, you've got to kind of be mm. on your, be on your toes. Cause sometimes it changes, like depending changes. on the job. Um, mm. So again, I tend to try not to over prepare too much of how right. it's going to be said in case it changes. Mm. Um, however, I when when I'm doing an accent, it is really important for me to know the lines inside out mm. because then I forget about the accent. I'm not I'm not right. overthink. I'm not thinking about the accent as I'm acting. It just sort of comes out. Um, mm. I find recording on you know on my phone on my iPhone just recording my lines. Mm. That's how I tend to work is that I'll record mine and then I record the other characters and okay. then I pause, <laughs> I pause between the lines so that the other character says 
that bit, which I've recorded. Uh And then I say my line and then I play it back to see if I got it right. So it's like learning a song. That's how I've realised is the way I learn lines is I have to listen to myself um, back and repeat, 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 repeat. You know, it's all about repetition. Um, And that's the way it goes in for me. And that's for every job. Do you do that same line memorization every technique? Every job. For... I have that's so cool. many voice recordings. I bet. I mean, and of course, because you can save everything now. My yeah. iPhone goes back to like, I mean, it goes as far, this one goes as far back as Good Behavior, season uh-huh. one. So I've got all the scenes recorded. <laughs> this this has been so great, Michelle. Thank you. This, thank you. We really are all about like getting an insight into an actor's process. And yeah. you really provided that. Um, can I ask you one last thing in yeah. terms of um, this early career version of yourself? You, you've talked about you in your 20s and this mm. maybe early career version of you that was gonna, maybe going to be a dancer. Mm-hmm. If you could go back in time and give that person one piece of advice, mm. what would it be? I would say, I would say just be free and, and, and don't worry too much. Just, just enjoy, mm-hmm. enjoy the spontaneity Mm. Um, and the unpredictability of it all. <laughs> right. I would say. The, the lack of control. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's difficult to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's easier said than done. Yes. It is. Of course. Yeah. These, especially these days. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Maybe not the best advice for these days, but I think, I think it was, I think for any sort of, you know, looking back into your twenties, I think mm. just, you know, there are things that we kind of worried about in our twenties, you know, when you look back. Totally. Um, yeah. But to enjoy it, I think more than anything, yeah. you know, whatever you're doing, enjoy the moment and, uh, yeah, and embrace what you're actually doing. Don't look too far ahead, you know, because it goes yeah. so quickly, this career. You know, you become a family for a few months and then suddenly it's gone. Sure. And sometimes I look back and think, oh, I wish I'd have, mm. I wish I'd have joined in a bit more. Or I'd have you know enjoyed it uh, more at sometimes and not overthought things and right. yeah to enjoy it i think that's great advice that's great advice thank you michelle this has been so lovely and you it's been really really good lovely to meet you Envelope is recorded at Lotus Productions and Hyperbolic Audio in New York City and Soundbox LA, Mark Grau Studios, and Buzzies in Los Angeles. Thanks as always to our producer extraordinaire, Jamie Muffet, and to the team at Backstage, Samantha Sherlock, Mark Stinson, Caitlin Watkins, and of course, Casey Howe. Visit Backstage.com and don't forget, you can subscribe to Backstage by using the code ENVELOPE at checkout for a free trial. That's right, 100% free. For more exclusive content, join us on Facebook and Twitter at In The Envelope and subscribe, share, and leave a comment. Who would you like us to interview next? Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time for another glimpse in the envelope.